On today's Question of Faith, how do you share your faith with your children who have rejected Catholicism? Hey everybody, I'm Mike Hayes. I am the Director of Young Adult Ministry here in the Diocese of Cleveland. And I'm Father Damien Ferris, the Vicar for Evangelization. And I'm Terry Yeoman, the Director of Marriage and Family Ministry. All right. Hey, we've been doing these grandparent workshops for some... By the way, Happy Mother's Day, Terry. Thank you. Yeah, it's yeah, coming up Mother's this Sunday. Day. Yeah. I hope my children remember. <laughs> Is, has that been a problem in the past? <laughs> yes. Oh, no. <laughs> Birth- I try not to make a big deal about any birthdays or any kind of events like that anniversary. I let them off the hook completely, but it's always nice when they do remember. I was going to say, be, be surprised when they remember, right? Yes. You know? I don't ever forget my mother's, though. Ah, very so. nice. Yes. Right. Cool. All right, so like we we've been asking, we had asked during these grandparent workshops for questions, and we didn't get to them all. But the most asked question by far is the one we're talking about today. You know, how, how do you share your faith with your children who have rejected Catholicism? So, what do we think? We are still Catholic in my household. Mm. I have well blended family with eight children, right? And so the the twenty ish kids that still live at home we not 20 kids 20 <laughs> 20 age group my goodness i was just gonna say you have yeah, 20, 20 kids. children <laughs> yeah um but it, we're still catholic so they're not allowed to use the lord's name in vain like they know mm-hmm. i'm going to call them out on some of those things because of the way um we share our faith and what our expectations are um but i think it's really important to try and find common ground yeah. with them and what our beliefs are uh and to celebrate what we share with them rather than try to be um, negative or mm-hmm. create a stir and try to convert them. Right. Yeah, a good way to start an argument is to be a finger-wagger, right? You know, you need to go and practice Catholicism. Now, you know, you sound like, get off my lawn, you know. Right. Um, do either you, I know you don't watch this show, Father Damien, but do you watch Ted Lasso at all? No. The, the show, on, so it's on Apple um, Plus, it's a great show, first of all, just a plug for Ted Lasso. But um, one of the things that's sort of a mantra and the thing is be curious, not judgmental. And uh, so I'll put, I'll put a clip of this on the uh, that I shared with Father Damien the other day in the show notes. But that's sort of what we're talking about here is that, you know, you have to think about the question to ask off the top, I think, is are, are my children good people? Right, you know, and what makes them good? You know, how can how can I start to look at them in that way, and then make the connection? Well, actually, what they're what they're professing in their lives espouses Catholicism in some way, and maybe they don't know that, you know, and maybe I can make the connection through the back door that way, you know. Right, I think you have to know solidly which parts of Catholic teaching and what the words are, and then sometimes just using those words to affirm for them. Well, that's a completely Catholic thing that you're doing right there. Um, the Beatitudes, bringing things in that can relate in their minds and world to, yeah. to bring them around. And so they, they're hearing it being whispered in their ears, whether they're accepting it and practicing it. Yeah. I, when I was prepping for the show, I was looking at this section from The Joy of the Gospel where Pope Francis basically says there are three principal settings where the gospel needs to be carried. And one is the ordinary pastoral ministry. So this is in parish life, people who are Believers are ready, looking for deeper, um, deeper entrance into their faith. And the second is the area he calls the baptized whose lives do not reflect the demands of baptism. 
who lack meaningful relationship to the church no longer experience consolation born of the faith. So that may be many children and grandchildren. And he says, the church in her maternal concern tries to help them experience a conversion which will restore the joy to their hearts and inspire a commitment to the gospel. So he doesn't give the exact way it's done there, but yeah, this is part of our our role. And it sounds like what you all are saying is be salt, light, and love and find things that are already there that are present that are good. And then to salt those things or, you know, that your family is important to you or meals are important. So these things, let's start there. Start with the positive, start with the good. Uh, People are attracted to honey much more than they are to vinegar. But we could also, because Mike, one of the things you said is, well, are your children good? And hopefully they are, but, um, and we could always find ontologically we're good because we're made in God's image and likeness and human beings, but maybe they're not living great lives or they're really distant and, you know, uh, morally really struggling. So, well, what do you do there? And uh, the Holy Father has this other category. He says, lastly, we cannot forget that evangelization is first and foremost about preaching the gospel to those who do not know Jesus Christ or who have always rejected him. So that that may be children too. He says many of them, the ones we just mentioned, are quietly seeking God, led by a yearning to see his face, even in countries of ancient Christian tradition. All of them have a right to receive the gospel. Christians have the duty to proclaim the gospel without excluding anyone. And here's what you were getting at, Mike. Instead of seeming to impose new obligations, they should appear as people who wish to share their joy, who point to a horizon of beauty, and who invite others to a delicious banquet. It is not by proselytizing that the church grows, but by attraction. Mm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we, we haven't talked about this film yet, but Father Stu? Yeah. So uh, did you see it? I've no? not seen it yet, no. I saw it with a few buddies last week, priest buddies. And Stu's character is initially drawn to Catholicism through the beauty of a woman and who winds up being Catholic. So that's the attract. There was some, it wasn't finger wagging. Mm. It was, there's something beautiful here, someone beautiful here. And God used her to bring him into deeper communion with Christ and his church. So beauty attracts. And that's a, that's a really nice way into things. Yeah. Didn't you say Father Pat Schultz, like got dragged to a retreat by, a, by, by some woman that he was interested in at the time? Correct. And, yes. And it, it totally changed his entire life. Yeah. You know? And that's how God works. So yeah, beauty, beauty works. Um, more than finger wagging does. Yeah. And he, well, he continues in here to say, this isn't like a watering down. Um, so he says, John Paul II asks us to recognize there must be no lessening of the impetus to preach the gospel to those who are far from Christ, because this is the task of the church. Um, but this missionary task must remain foremost. Um, this missionary outreach is paradigmatic for all the church's activity. So we're constantly figuring out ways to invite people in. Paul VI In evangelization of the modern world, he's the one who says, we must never impose, but must always propose the faith Mm. and figure out ways and and opportunities to do that well. Well, and I think, too, when we know that they've been baptized, we know that we had those children at First Communion class or Confirmation classes, that we have exposed them to the church, and then they're stepping away. So I think as parents and grandparents asking the question about, what they believe and why they believe it, and trying to just listen and maybe not defending and not giving an answer right away, just so that we are hearing for them um, their perspective. And so I think the the 
thought maybe that suddenly someone's going to try and argue them, try and convert them. And it may not be that, just us listening and hearing their perspective and hearing them that at that time can be a support and a positive experience for them. Mm-hmm. And maybe they've never been invited to share what they're thinking now or why they thought this. What is the line you use at the workshops, Mike, like mature, meaning, like changing of meaning or something you say? Like uh, between 16 and 25. Oh, yeah, yeah, meaning, yeah. Uh, reforming meaning, yes. Reforming meaning. Yeah, so like they've formed meaning already through, you know, the through the age process of growing up, right? They, they've come with a basic set of assumption, assumptions based on their relationship with their parents or relationship with the church, whoever formed them, right? Right. But then something happens along the way, and now they, well, maybe that's not exactly right, you know, well, or maybe that's some other thing, yeah. And I think s- sometimes, too, when you look at how many suffering experiences yeah, they have right. with addiction, with divorce, with um, all the things that can come at them mm-hmm. with losing friends to illness or car accidents, right. that they don't understand the suffering. Right. And so then if, if there is a God and God is good and God loves me, why do we have the suffering? And some of that takes time and maturity. Right. Right. And maybe they never under. Okay, so we had a crucifix in our house growing up, but that never made sense that any of that wants to enter into my experience of suffering and losing a friend. And so a big part of what we're trying to do, and Miguel was doing this throughout the um, the AJ workshops, was connecting our story to the greater story, Christ's story and his Paschal mystery. But you're right. They may know it in their head. Okay, this is what Catholics believe happened. Uh, but and even if it did, still, how does it connect to my life? And maybe that connection doesn't come, which is why, in many ways, we're trying to help grandparents listen, but also then be able to contribute to the conversation with how they've experienced suffering and heartache and loss right. and pain, and the meaning of faith in all that. Right, and to be part of the healing process for mm-hmm. people too, when they when they have been hurt by you know mm-hmm. maybe even by the church right you know, they, mm-hmm. they could be hurt by the church they could be hurt by others they could be hurt by world events anything that's happening in in their lives there's a process there that and <laughs> connecting that through. i right. think mm-hmm. that's the piece how can we connect that suffering to back to the cross and what we've experienced and how we can be stronger yeah and not rushing through it right. sitting and letting people say what it is that they have to say because maybe they haven't been heard before a great paulist once said who ran the, the landings program at that, which was a reconciliation ministry of people coming back into the church? Said, so, you know, you could literally listen someone back into existence again. And I thought that was really wise. I was like, yeah, you know, you, you could sit and listen to someone who's never been heard before. And all of a sudden, you start to see, you know, the shoulders go back and you start to see the smile come on their face again. And they say, yeah, you know, I, I kind of just needed to name that. And now I know what it is. Now I can move forward into healing and help me do that. You know, help me help make the connection back and, and to the church in this way. There's an old legend about the Holy Grail. And there was a knight who used to protect the Holy Grail, the one that Chalice Cup that Jesus used at mm-hmm. a, the Last Supper. And the, the way that you would get this Grail was by asking the right question to the knight who was guarding the Grail. And the question was, what are you going through? So you weren't asking a question about the grail, but the man who'd been standing there his whole lifetime. And then in doing that, you were being empathetic and listening to him. And in doing so, then having the right to take the grail. So Mm. um, I think that's a beautiful story, just asking what people are going through and then taking the time to listen and hear them out. Because we all want it. We all have a story and we all want to be heard. That's right. 
we all have our own stuff, right? Mm-hmm. You know, that we we've had to get through in our own lives and in, in in life in general, right? You know, and sometimes you just need to be here to to get through that. So, can we like talk? What are what are places where we've where you can have the time to hear somebody? Because I know with my parents. My mom in particular, when we were driving, that was a good time to talk because we weren't, we were looking ahead, but we could be talking. And I know for parents, that's a good, are there good times for grandparents to talk to kids better than others? Terry, you're the grandparent in this room. So I think um, when the kids come over, I take the grandkids and we'll sort of try to take time and walk away and Mm -hmm. go walk around my house and show them my religious items and show them the crucifix and Mm -hmm. ring the church bell that I have, stuff like Mm -hmm. that. And we, um, I think it's intentional. Like Mm -hmm. I decide to do that. Um, We make a big deal out of meal prayer that everybody stops and everybody prays before we're eating our food. I think that you're exactly right, the cars. If you get to ride in the car and you can help with pickup from school or anything like that, it's an opportunity to talk and just ask them about their day to relate with them. Yeah, I think are, it's the are, attachment. Are you, are you talking about a conversation with the, with your children or with the grandchildren, though? Either. Yeah. I guess it depends. And it, it probably depends. It definitely depends on age appropriateness, you sure. know, so – yeah, I mean, I think for adult children, you know, you, you treat them like adults. What, what do adults do? They go to lunch, they go to dinner. Mm-hmm. They, you know, they, they you know, first of all, it's a neutral place. No one's going to make a scene. You hope. Mm-hmm. We used to have tea. Yeah, when that's I a think good of one. my yeah. children, I consciously would say, like after school, if it was the end of the day. Um, now I had the luxury of working at a parish, so I was able to be in their lives when they were coming off the school bus. But even as if a, as a grandparent or a, someone to stop and have a cup of tea, and it was always funny because it didn't matter what age group. And I have tea with my grandson, who's just three, and he knows if he comes and he can have that um, little sippy cup with tea in it, and we mm. sit down, and it's how are you? What are you doing? And that even those simple um, gestures are times where they realize that they're important. Mm -hmm. So I think that's something that people can do intentionally as well. And do you think it would be good, Mike, you're the young adult minister in this Mm -hmm. room, uh, to if you have a child who's away from the faith to say, can we go out and can I ask you some questions? Do you think that's too overbearing, or it, it might be pressure filled, right? You know, mm-hmm. but but it might be an opportunity to say, you know, hey, look, let's let's just go out and have lunch together. I want to spend time with you. That's the first. That's the first piece, okay. right? I would preface it with nothing's wrong. I'm yeah, not dying. That's right. I just mm-hmm. <laughs> because that to me, like automatically, is like okay, something must be wrong. Why are they doing this to right. me if they've if never you're not done in the it before? Habit of it. Yeah, right. Okay. So Especially if you go someplace different than you usually go, right? right? Like my friend said, that his father used to take him to coffee all all the time, and then one day. Said, hey, let's go to Starbucks. It's like, wait a minute, we're a Tim Hortons family. What's wrong? You know, right, <laughs> kind right. of thing. But yeah, no. But I think that if you if you preface it that way, and then you could say, look, I, I've noticed this about you. You know, I, like I, I noticed that you you do this for your job or whatever it is. Tell tell me about that. I want I want to know more about why you do the things that you do, for good or for bad. Right? Mm-hmm. You know, help me understand is sometimes a good question to mm-hmm. ask. And, and you know, I kind of. Drops the defenses a little bit because it's like, oh, they, they, they just want to. That was my stomach growling. That was, You're uh, talking about lunch and food. I didn't even I hear just... it. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, I mean, I think just starting the conversation is, is good, you know, but you're, you're really, you're, you're being curious. You're, you're not asking them about, uh, you're, you're, you're not condemning them for whatever is going on. Mm-hmm. You know, you're saying, hey, look, this is going on in your life. I, I kind of dig that. Mm-hmm. What is it that, you know, what is it that, 
makes you want to do that? What mm-hmm. you know, where where are you finding meaning in what it is that you do all day long, whether that's at work or whether you know, I think you're a good dad. You know, I think you're a good mom. You know, tell me about the relationship you have with your children, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And then you have to work backwards. You know, this is sort of pre-evangelization to get to evangelization. You know, say, hey, you know, the, the Pope talks about this, you know, or my parish has this group that feeds people. You know, that I see you working in this other place that maybe is a little more secular. You know, would you come with me to my parish and do that instead? I would be curious for uh, some of them, too, to find out what they miss. Is yeah. there anything that you miss mm-hmm. about having a parish, about having a community uh, that you were part of? Was there ever anything good in your experience of church? Right. That's a good question mm-hmm. to ask. Mm-hmm. You know, like, like for yeah, I think I think incense. Do you miss the incense? Like something that <laughs> or the something that draws church, them back, yeah. right? Yeah. Or you have memories connected? Yeah. yeah. Right. Like for me, as an altar server growing up, that was always sort of important to me. And, you know, and I think that if I were away from the church, my father would probably say something like. Yeah, you, know, you seem to be having a really good time with Deacon Al in the church. You know what happened along the way. You know that's mm-hmm. that's not a bad question. You know that's mm-hmm. well, that's all. I think all that's good. Mm-hmm. And it's a process. There's not a silver right. bullet to figure all this out. That's right. Time, a relationship, and it's not our job to save them. That's it's our right. job yeah. to love them. And the Holy Spirit is the ultimate evangelizer. Mm-hmm. Just right. uses us as instruments. Yeah, and we're and we're trying to get them into a relationship with Christ, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and and you know, Christ is the one who they're they're going to be in the relationship with ultimately. You know, and that's what will will save them and bring them back. Yeah. So patience, folks, is the I think is our probably our best thing to say to folks today is you know hey, be a little patient. It's not going to be solved in a day, in an afternoon over tea or lunch or. And be salt, light, yeah, and joyous. That's right. I, we have to be Alleluia people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why is this important to you? You know, that's that's the opportunity that you get to share. Is you know, this why does this give you life? Because there, there are some folks who'll be like, I I don't understand why anybody would go to church, right? Mm-hmm. That that's that's literally mm-hmm. in their head. You know, I don't understand what people get out of this, and it's not really anything to get out of it. It's Really, you know, mm-hmm. to go in and, and, and express your faith and your joy. Mm-hmm. So. I think, too, that and we've mentioned this at the Anangelicum workshops, that for some, this may not make sense until after they have to go to the cemetery for Mother's Day and then yeah. think, geez, what, it, what made my mom so great? And then thinking back to the way that she lived her particular faith and the practices that she engaged in, servant's heart, all that. And then maybe they start connecting it. And that Catholic funeral mass, and I remember how, where people were, and I remember the smell. Like, those kind of things, they go a long way, you know? Yeah, yeah that's, some again, moments of transition, right? Mm-hmm. You know, things where, where meaning gets reformed, again, that's one of them. Well, know? and I think, too, as, as adults and as a grandparent, we emphasize these belongings that we're going to pass on to our children. And they don't want <laughs> our furniture. They don't want our pictures. They don't want our dishes. But I remember making it a huge deal that, like, my rosary came from my grandfather when I was eight years old for my first communion. And I used that rosary constantly. And I used to say that, like, this is my most prized possession. Mm-hmm. And one of you are going to get this someday. And it's and that, and it was just kind of like, that's the thing. They're going to, that will impact them. Yeah. And even though that is beautiful, even the more substantial thing is that they've inherited your faith. And this is symbolic of what's right. passed down. Whether so they're they practicing hold on to it, it or not. Right? Yeah. And mm-hmm. I think that with my parents, I think the greatest gift they gave me 
after life, because you need life before you can have faith, was faith, mm-hmm. their Christian faith. And they did that by their example. Right. So, and yeah. and so, like, even my the 24-year-old, my Nicholas, like, he still does meal prayers every night. It's like this automatic habit. So whether he's practicing and going, it's like it, it's in there. Mm-hmm. And all of these things could be found in a church. And so, Terry, you have a church Amen. this week. Where, where are we going this week? We were talking about Grafton, Our Lady mm. Queen of Heaven. It's out there. They've got Elizabeth Makitos, their director of religious education now. They have started up. They have uh, Grace came forward and has started bereavement mm. as well as the Nourish for Caregivers. They're doing all kinds of good things out there, and they're actually reaching out um, – they were gonna, their plan is to be reaching out to other parishes and make it ecumenical, not even just for Catholics. Oh, that's very nice. mm-hmm. Because they have a strong community. Um, yeah, they've got a food pantry there. They're very active in the community. I know that they, they even partnered with, like, the local pet store food, uh, you know, the place where you can get right. food for large right. animals, too. The, yes. Like feed bags, feed, things feed like store? that. Yeah, that's right. out in the country, yeah. Mike. Rural game. Be... Yeah, I'm a city guy, you know, it's... <laughs> <laughs> Not my thing, but but you know I think that's a good thing that they they partner with this right. f- with folks and they have church week at the mm-hmm. at the pet store basically, which is kind of a nice way to evangelize. Yeah. Father John Siebel is a pastor mm-hmm. there, and I I preached a mission probably seven or eight years ago, and two things I remember about the parish one. They, they all sang the uh, Our Father. Not every parish does that, but loudly and really well. And I think they even told me, we sing the Our Father here. So I'm like, okay, I remember that. And I also remember the Ambo in the new church, because I think they have two locations. The Ambo kind of hung out off the step of the sanctuary. And Father Siebold said, that's because the word is going out to the people. And I thought that was a really mm-hmm. cool architectural feature that was very thoughtful within the the new building. So uh, those are things I remember about the place. And preaching from the AMBO, we'll hear about the Good Shepherd this week, John chapter 10. So that'll be uh, be your scripture for this week. So pay attention to Jesus is the Good Shepherd. And then go and have a conversation with your children or grandchildren right after that, right? Mm -hmm. Do more listening than talking. Right. Be curious, not judgmental. Mm -hmm. Be attractive. Yeah. Be joyous. Be happy. Be Jesus. Yeah. And more importantly, be back here next week here on Question of Faith.